Hi, I'm Manola, and this is episode 6 of Art and Conversation. So, I live pretty close to the water, and just a little ways from my house is the Fremont Bridge. It's this drawbridge that opens and closes to let tall boats pass under it, and it's been there for over 100 years. With all the boat horns, and the cars, and the bikers, and people walking across it, it's a pretty busy bridge, and definitely not what you'd think of when you picture tranquility. But it's also where Parle Walsh, a composer, spent some time creating music. Last summer, he was the Fremont Bridge's artist-in-residence. The program challenges artists to create work that's somewhat inspired by the historic bridge, and he sat in the small studio space in one of the bridge's towers last summer, where he worked on his musical project, Bascule. It's an aptly named work of art. The Fremont Bridge is a Bascule bridge, sometimes known as a drawbridge, that opens and jets for traffic, but Parl also told me he wants his project to reflect more than the bridge's nature. His personal studio has existed close to the bridge for years, and he says that his relationship with it has evolved because of that. And his musical style is part of all this, too. It's a fusion of what many would think of as electronic and ambient music with the stylings of classical chamber music. He sat down with me to talk about his introduction to this type of music and how he hopes to set his work apart. If you could just tell me a little bit about, um, I guess, where you got started musically. Yeah, well, I've been playing music and involved in music ever since I was a kid um <clears throat> and just you know art the arts in general I you know did a lot of acting like a lot of theater and a lot of visual art and stuff when I was a kid and um music is the one that just kind of stuck ultimately as I got a little older um I grew up in Cal- northern California and I moved to Seattle in 2002 um to go to school uh, go to college at Cornish College of the Arts where I studied music, classical composition, um, and what at the time they called electroacoustic slash new media, which is basically just weirdo electronic music. <laughs> um, uh, and like, you know, music concrete and, mm-hmm. you know, like modern, like sort of contemporary experimental, like academic electronic music. Um and yeah, I've been here ever since making work. Um, I do a lot of uh, scoring for dance and like th- like stage, like theatrical productions. Um, that's been the bulk of my composing work for the last uh, 10 years or so. Um, but I also own and operate a studio, a private studio called XX Audio in Fremont. I know that when a lot of people think of like orchestral music, they have definitely an image of that. And then electronic, um, maybe, I don't know, just like electronic music, maybe here on the radio or something like that. But if you could just describe what kind of, what what the flavor of your specific type is. Of, of electronic yeah. music. Yeah. So, um, I mean, over the years, I think just like anybody, it's my, my work has sure. sort of transformed into different things and I've explored different areas, but... Uh, in general, if I had to kind of summarize what I do, especially now, it's uh, it's an electronic sort of classical hybrid probably would be the easy, simplest way to describe it. Um, so it's a combination of sort of experimental electronic sound design elements uh, with like traditional classical instruments, but usually played in very non-traditional ways. Um, a lot of extended technique playing and um, experimentation, but within the, the constraints of traditional, like chamber classical chamber music. Um, I'm really interested in melding the really old 
traditional elements of Western music and, and other forms of music with like really modern cutting edge signal processing techniques, spatialized audio, uh, synthesis, uh, and other types of like, you know, modern, like current stuff that's, you know, currently being researched and explored. Do you feel like it was like this kind of music was particularly emerging at the time that you were at Cornish or do you feel like it has more of a history than people might think? Um, as far as like the electroacoustic mm-hmm. new music, um, no, no, there's, there's a very, there's a very clear tradition in, in sort of like modern academic music, um, like, you know, 20th century <clears throat> music and, um, this is, it's, mm. it's based on stuff that, you know, um, composers were exploring, you know, in the mid 20th century, um, when electronic technology was really taking off, like in the, you know, it really got going in like the fifties and sixties, um, uh, mostly in Europe, but there was mm. some stuff happening in the U S as well. Yeah. What did that look like early on? Um, well, uh, you know, it, it kind of, there were, so there was a lot of electronic test equipment back in like the forties and fifties that, um, electrical engineers used to like develop new circuits and to like invent new technology. And, um, a lot of those things made sounds. And so some enterprising young composers of the time, like started to take those and use them to create, you know, to write pieces of music with. So that's like one aspect of like early electronic music is like, uh, test using, you know, traditional, like, test equipment lab equipment to make to make music with um and that's the early days that's the foundations of of synthesizers where synthesizers came from um and then some other people a little later as uh like multi-track like tape recording technology um came on the scene started experimenting with that like experimenting not like just it was technology that was designed to record music or to record audio with like specifically to just document basically but they were doing things like taking recording something to tape and then chopping it up into little bits and taping it back together and making a loop out of it and then making that (laughs) making a piece of music so this tradition of tape music happened um and um and a lot of there there's a there's a sort of a a cabal of uh classically trained composers who sort of got really interested in making music with tape um and this whole like music concrete movement was born in europe in like the you know 50s um and uh that's sort of like really the kind of the birth in a way i I think it could be argued that it's the birthplace of like modern electronic music is this how that how it was the idea of making music with like machines was invented now that's its own field, you know, like digital music and digital audio is like a huge exploratory field. And there's still all sorts of really interesting things being invented and discovered in that realm as well right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. So now knowing what you do about the history of the style, what would you say was your earliest memory of really like encountering this kind of music and, and I don't know, enjoying it or hating it or whatever? Um, earliest memory of experimental music was probably, I feel like, uh, when I was a little kid, my mom was a total NPR head. She liked listening to public radio a lot. Um, and so we would listen to a lot of classical music, which was a big part of 
hmm. you know, developing me developing into the musician I am today. But also there was this program in the eighties on, on NPR called hearts of space. Have you ever heard of that? No. <laughs> it's this really kind of like weird hippy dippy kind of nerdy ambient music uh show that was on like really late at night and the person talked like really really gently and softly like whispered <laughs> like asmr it was, yeah it was total like <laughs> asmr before asmr was like a thing um this was like the 80s i don't know it probably started i don't i, I mean it was the 80s when i was hearing it um sure. but but uh it, i think it probably predates me it probably started in the 70s or something but anyways really interesting program and they would play just the weirdest ambient music it's basically like an ambient music show but it was like it had this weird like spiritual hmm. like bent to it Is there narration over the music or no i mean no it, they would it was like they would place you know pieces of music sure. they play songs or okay. whatever um it'd, it'd be like a playlist or whatever but but the stuff that they played was totally unlike what you would normally hear on the radio um and so that's probably my first exposure i would imagine to to like more left field music but that's a weird i mean it was it was like borderline easy listening <laughs> music <laughs> kind of it was more interesting than that it wasn't quite so cheesy but it was like uh it's very like pleasing very like mellow like ambient like pretty ambient music hmm. but it's very like it's interesting to hear something like that when you're a kid and be like oh wow you can write a piece of music that's like 10 minutes long and like doesn't really do anything and just creates this like mood or atmosphere for like 10 minutes it doesn't have like a melody you know there's no like instruments soloing you might not even know what the instruments are and like I remember th listening to that when I was a kid and being like, "Well, that's kind of interesting." Like I don't. It's weird that people consider this music, <laughs> you know. Like I, when I, as a kid, I'm uh -huh. like, I don't even know. It just changed. Yeah, it's just like, uh, it's just like sort of a paradigm shift to like think about things in the context of like, um, being able to like write a really long piece of music that just uses one note or something. It's just a drone. Yeah. And I think people that don't have a lot of experience with this style, like experimental music, just in general, might not really understand how um, how you go about making a piece in the first place or conceptualizing one. So, yeah. Could you walk me through the process? Maybe if like, I don't know if there's a recent piece that you made that might um, come to mind just of, yeah, walking the process through of how you made that. Um. Yeah. Yeah. The. The writing process is, I mean, I think it's, I think it's really different for everybody. Um, and especially the more you do it, you sort of figure out ways of achieving sort of your goals, like the more experience you get. Um, I've been doing this for a while now, so I have a, a pretty, um, uh, I have a bat, like sort of like a, a bag of tricks that I can pull from to like, um, uh, get the process going i guess i guess the easiest quick answer to that is that like every project is different um there's not one uh for me at least there's not one specific way that i do things and some of that is on purpose i'm always trying to like challenge myself to try hmm. to try to i'm always trying to push myself to, to 
into new areas and to not get like comfortable, too comfortable or complacent and, and to not really not trying to repeat, not repeat myself. Um, so it's, it's a hard question to answer for that, for that reason. I think like if I'm scoring a dance piece, for example, there are specific, like just practical requirements of like doing that job that like are kind of always the same, you know, it's, um, like meet with the choreographer director, you know, figure out what the piece is about. Like, um, you really do a lot of pre-work before I even actually start creating anything, really get an idea for what they want, you know, and, and what, uh, what like, uh, like what, what the, what the practical requirements are, you know, like, will there be, you know, live musicians? Like, will it be pre-recorded? Do they want a purely electronic score. Do they want a, you know, classical score. Do they want something totally different than that? Jazz. I don't know. Like, um, so those types of things like really dictate my process quite a bit. For example, when I'm scoring like a show or, you know, you know, film or whatever for somebody. But, um, but once I get that sort of stuff down, it's, it's a lot of, it is just playing around in the studio, you know, um, and trying out ideas. Um, but when I am working on my own and not, you know, for a director or something, um, yeah, I start with like that framework, basically what my actual practical restrictions are. Sure. You know, if I don't have a lot of time to do something, you know, it'll be a lot simpler or it might be a certain style of music that's like easy for me to write a lot, like really quickly, um, for example. <clears throat> but um, so that's the first step. Then that automatically culls out a lot of possibilities, uh, a lot of options. I think for me, um, the creative process, at least initially, always boils down to eliminating possibilities. Um, having unlimited possibilities is deeply and profoundly uh, like overwhelming and, and like very, <laughs> very difficult. And it makes the creative process a lot more difficult. Mm. And I think that that is universally true. A lot of people don't realize that. They're like, I want to be able to do whatever I want. It's like, actually, you probably don't. Like you should probably either, you're either restricted just, you know, by the reality of what you're doing. You don't have enough budget or enough time or whatever. Or, or you should, if, if not, then you should probably restrict yourself because you'll probably never get anything done. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm -hmm. so you should limit your possibilities. So it's mm -hmm. like, it's basically like the first part of the process is just, uh, is just narrowing it down, basically what you're doing, specifying, you know, limiting yourself, being like, okay, I'm not going to do that. That's too much. Let me, what would be interesting. And then there's this path that naturally starts to form about like well what what are the pieces about and what kind of techniques or like philosophical underpinnings or you know uh technological things you want to try start to like coalesce into like like a vision for for the piece i think
was a snippet from Parle's project Bascule. He talked to me about his inspiration for it and how he pulled it all together over the course of his fellowship. Yeah, and you've had the same studio for quite a while, right? Yeah, well, um, so my recording studio, I've had, I've been, the, my current location I've been in for about 10 years. <clears throat> and, um, but a lot of my composing work I do at home. So I mm-hmm. also have a home small home studio set up like a more of a composition studio um, which is a little bit different use case than the recording that I do sure um but yeah I've had that I've I'm in my current I've been in my current spot for about 10 years gotcha yeah which is kind of right next to the Fremont Bridge right right next to the Fremont Bridge yeah Yeah. about (laughs) 600 feet away from it actually oh yeah. Well, yeah, perfect. Right and that kind of leads me to like the next thing uh, you were mentioning, mm-hmm. working for the city. Um, and yeah, you are a Fremont Bridge fellow. And I think you're the fourth one, right? And the first musical fellow, right? If you could just ex- yeah. Yeah, explain that a little bit. Right, yeah. So I'm the t- 2018 uh, Fremont Bridge composer in residence. Um, there's a, a Fremont Bridge residency that the, the city has... Um, they've never done it for music before, but it was uh, previous to me. The last person that did it was about 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago. Um, and they were a visual artist um, and sort of installation. They made like this large scale installation piece, sort of like interactive installation piece on the bridge. That was their sort of culmination in their project. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. That was the, the last person that did it was... Um, a, a writer um uh, a literary artist um and they that was in 2016 and then previous to that about 10 years before that um was the the visual artist hmm. um so yeah it's it's a really cool really unique unique opportunity um and it's you know it's presented by the office of arts and cultural affairs and sdot uh, department of transportation they have a one um, percent for the arts initiative um, that they they use one percent of their uh, annual budget or something like that. I can't remember exactly how it works to uh, to commission artworks. Um, so yeah, I got to spend all summer, all last summer, um, inhabiting the northwest tower of the Fremont Bridge, which is uh, just an empty workspace most of the time. Um, how quiet like is it in space. there? It is not quiet. <laughs> yeah. It is extremely loud. <laughs> it's a hard place to write music. Um, but it was interesting. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So I was in there all summer, um, with a small, you know, a small composing rig and my laptop and, um, wrote a lot of the music that is, I'll be presenting, uh, in May. Um, <clears throat> or at least started writing it. You sure. know, it was the first three, the first four months of the project that is a year long project. So, um, yeah. Um, 
it was not loud. Uh, I mean, it was not quiet, um, like a good composing or writing space usually is. Um, but that was kind of cool in a way because it's, to me, it was like all about the experience and like the unique, just the weirdness of that opportunity. Um, so I really tried to let the, the noise of the traffic and the passing boats and the fog horns and stuff sort of seep into like into the work that I was writing. Um, I don't, there's no, I don't know if there's like an obvious, I don't think that's obvious in the, in the music that came out, but I think that, that, that environment like did inform what I was doing somehow. Hmm. Um, which I think for me was the interesting part. Like, what how is what i write in this tower like different than what i would write at home or somewhere else sure um and i think it it flavored the music and it like informed it in a certain way in a subtle way and your work yeah and your and your work's supposed to be in regards to the fellowship supposed to be somewhat inspired or connected to the bridge right yeah yeah exactly um and uh and it is in a in a somewhat impressionistic sense <laughs> it's not a direct you know i mean i think a lot of artists would have made a very direct connection to it in their work but i chose to go in a more impressionistic route kind of more abstract route about what the bridge meant to me like personally and emotionally um it's been a part of my the fremont bridge has been a big part of my like visual landscape and my environment for many years because of the proximity of my studio to it. I can walk out of the alley that my interest, the entrance to my studio is in and look to the left and the bridge is right there. So it's like always there. Um, I've spent a lot of time over the years just walking under it and hanging out like down on the waterfront around it and stuff and walking over it. And, um, so that's also a very interesting that was another thing that was interesting about the residency and inhabiting the tower um like i got to see the inner workings of the bridge you know i got to go down into the bowels of it and look at all the mechanical aspects and i got to know the bridge operators and the people who run it and maintain it and it was really interesting and hanging out in it like in the tower you know for so much time is it's a totally like a new gave me a new perspective and a new relationship to this like giant object that has been such a like big part of my landscape for so long. <laughs> so it's a pretty cool experience. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the, I guess, I don't know if you could say your pro like the thesis of your project or just what your project has been like and what it's become. Yeah. If you could just describe that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's what it's become is um, two major things. Um, the The project is called Bascule. That's the name, um, and it's both a studio album and a concert, uh, uh, like a six movement concert work um, that are related pieces of music, um, but not the same. So the studio album is. Um, finished it's all recorded it's been written and recorded it's uh about to be mixed we're going to mix it here in a, a couple of weeks um and i'm currently working on the the music um for the concert um which will be like a chamber 
um, like an experimental chamber concert <clears throat> that'll be at Town Hall, um, Seattle on May 23rd. So yeah, that's the culm- that's the that's the culmination of the project. That's like what the final uh, work is. Um, thematically, it's it's about um, uh, my own personal struggles with um, substance abuse and depression and mental illness and suicidality and um, the Fremont. Like I was. There's a time, there's a period of my life where I was um, pretty in a bad way and was spending a lot of my time. I was homeless also and like spending a lot of my time in Fremont because my studio is there. Um, <clears throat> and the bridge has always been sort of like a, it was a big part of that era of my life because I was just around it so much. And so what I've done is written a bunch of music about that. And that's sort of the thematic content of the album and the concert. Um, and that's sort of how it ties into the bridge. Yeah. Did you know it was going to be such a personal series when you started it? Or how did that come about? Yeah, I, I did. Because um, when I applied for, when I originally applied for the residency, um, my application sort of my proposal my project proposal was was basically to to write music about that period of my life and how it's connected with the bridge i i knew going in that if i was going to be awarded the opportunity that i was going to be sort of uh writing about this really you know personal uh very like uh deep like period in my life that was you know very intense um and then I got it and then I was like, oh shit, now I have to, <laughs> now I actually have to do this. Um, we, but it, which is great. Um, and you know, this is, this is historical for me. Like I'm much, you know, better and healthier, happier now, um, and more stable. <clears throat> but it is, uh, it's been a very interesting like process, like exploring that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like one of my goal, biggest goals with this project was like really try to make my audience sort of feel viscerally like how I felt at the time. So a lot of it's very unpleasant. Um, and the music isn't necessarily unpleasant, but it's like really intense. And, and a, a goal of a lot of it is to like instill in people that what I was going through and, and, and just sharing that and being like sort of honest and like raw about it. Um, and that's a hard thing technically to accomplish when you're writing music. Mm-hmm. to try to write things that are that are that are that um compelling i sure. guess i don't know if i've achieved it or not you can listen to the music yourself <laughs> and you can tell me but um but i i you know i tried really hard to do that and um so it was hard i mean it was hard personally you know and like emotionally and stuff but it really was hard and it was really hard in a more in like a technical way <laughs> i guess um of like you know writing something and be like no it's not quite it doesn't quite have the right feeling it's not quite intense or dire enough it needs to feel a little more like charged it needs to feel a little more emotional or it needs to feel a little more unhinged or a little more um unpleasant or something and it's weird dissecting your feelings about that period of time in your life yeah yeah right yeah um was it something that you'd wanted to 
make a piece about for a while or was it something that when you applied just figured you'd give it a shot because I know that sometimes it's like when you feel prepared really prepared to face like a hard time in your life that's I don't know it's it's just it's just different yeah yeah I I, um I no the answer to that is is basically no I (laughs) I I, the idea came to me while I was Mm. applying for the opportunity um and it came to me because um writing up like a project proposal for the opportunity to try to get the opportunity um you know i was sort of forced to think about what the fremont bridge meant to me personally because a lot of people were talking about i think who applied for it were probably talking about like just the bridge as an object just the bridges in general like waterways like what those mean what they can signify and that's totally valid and i think that's like a pretty clear path for a lot of people to take uh but for me, I was interested in figuring out what the bridge meant to me personally. And that's what it really meant. That's sort of what I came up with it. So it was deciding to go such a difficult route with it was really a result of like the nature of the opportunity itself. So. Yeah. And just uh, men- you mentioning that it will, it's like, I mean, for some, it'll be particularly kind of unusual music for them to listen to. Is it, is, is that true of, general Seattle art community do you feel like your style like are there other artists that you know of that have a similar style or concept that you have in approaching music or do you feel like there's not such a distinct niche for that here yet oh no I think I think there's a lot um going on Uh, I I don't I wouldn't I don't know if I would say it's the same thing that I do but I feel like there's a there's a there's a community and there's a, a through line um uh, I think we have an experimental music community that's very small, um, but it's but it's very strong, and there's a lot of cool stuff happening. Um, I also I feel that way about the classical community here too. It's it's small, but it's but it's it's uh, it's vibrant, and there's a lot of cool stuff going on. So, um, yeah, I I definitely am not making work in a vacuum. It's I don't think I'm doing something that's so different than anybody else. Um, I think that there's a there's an audience for it, and I think that there's a, you know, it's a niche thing, so it's probably a small audience. <laughs> but, um, you know, as sort of left, you know, left field, you know, a little more experimental minded artists all know across the spectrum. That's sort of comes with the territory you know like if you're doing something a little weirder uh you're automatically alienating 90 percent of humanity probably <laughs> you know like it's uh-huh. just it's it's kind of a niche thing i guess uh, is one way to yeah. put it but I, I i'd like to think that this work is i've tried i've tried really hard i don't know again i don't know if i've succeeded but i've tried really hard to write music that is um challenging maybe but is not off-putting you know like does that make sense like it's like i don't want it to be so obtuse that like there's no way in for an average listener um they may not like it or they may not fully get it and that's fine um but uh i don't want people to feel like this is just doesn't even make sense to me you know i think it's i think it's accessible enough that like like people from very different walks of life can appreciate it at least somewhat 
I'm curious then if you felt attention just again with it, this being connected to the city inherently kind of elevating it to like a more public space, you know, um, if you felt any tension with just trying to like, I don't know if you've felt pressure to make it more accessible because of that or um, if that has just kind of um, given you a different perspective on your work or at least this piece. Oh, not at all. No, um, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't ever care about that kind of stuff. So um, it's, yeah. And, and just to clarify, it's not that I'm like trying to make it more accessible. It's just that it's, I feel like that what I'm trying to say musically is, is a little more universal maybe than what I would be saying in other works, but because of it's like, really like emotional nature of like the content that I'm writing about. Like, I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like everybody can identify a little bit with feeling a little crazy or feeling a little unstable. Like, um, I don't know. I think that, uh, yeah, I think that I don't, you don't have to be like diagnosed with some type of mental illness to experience some amount of, what people with mental illness experience, you know, and that that's valid and like, you know, important to, to, to recognize. And if you're feeling down, you know, like that's totally fine. It doesn't necessarily mean you're suicidal, but like to uh, acknowledge that. So like there's a universal aspect to like mm -hmm. the work that I'm trying to create. So I think that makes it maybe a little more accessible. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Art in Conversation. If you're looking for more about Parle or seeking past episodes, take a look at the Fields website, fieldsmagazine.com. From Seattle, have a good night and see you next episode.